From the Mitchell Center to Coleman Coliseum, the Bartow and Trojan Arenas. From Veterans Memorial Stadium to Legion Field to Hancock-Whitney Stadium. With a combined 75 years of experience in the sports radio world, these guys have spent their professional lives roaming the stadiums and arenas that host your favorite teams. And now, they invite you to join them inside the press box. Get ready for Chris Stewart. Throws it out. Norris left alone. Corner three. Five. Red smoking hot. J.D. Byers. Three-step drop. Steps up. Looks. Swatted down. Set. Down he goes. Mike Grace. Curveball right back up the middle. They'll wave out and around third base. Slides in. And the dogs have won it. And the broadcasters, journalists, coaches, and game changers making today's news. They're all here inside the Press Box. Welcome to the Press Box Podcast. For my partners, Chris Stewart and J.D. Byers, I'm Mike Grace. What you're about to hear is just a slice of our Press Box radio show, Heard on great stations across Alabama and online 24-7 at PressBoxRadio.com. The show is our way of sharing with you the access we enjoy to a group of friends and colleagues who, like us, have the honor of working with and around the teams and the sports we all love. Today's friend is Chris Blair, the voice of the Fighting Tigers on the LSU Sports Network. When we spoke, Chris was getting set for the LSU at Bama basketball broadcast scheduled for that night. And our own Chris Stewart had the first question for Chris Blair here inside the press box. Chris, I started to say looking forward to seeing you, but dadgummit, we don't get to you. And that's also one of the things we've talked about is we miss that. You know, there's a lot of stuff we'd have talked about in 10 minutes of of catching up before we go on the air with our broadcast that you just don't get anymore. And, And that's the part that stinks about it for us. And we know, look, most important thing is games are playing. I try to make sure I always come back to that but I sure as heck miss that that 10 to 15 or 20 minutes we get to to catch up whenever uh our, we're actually in this under the same roof calling a ball game yeah I, I'm with you I mean I'm not the biggest fan of calling games remotely and I think I've gone on record a number of times talking about you know inside that little bubble the bubble that we live in if uh, you ask me what I think about it I'm not a fan um, and you know, it is what it is. And I understand the bigger picture, but you know, beyond that, it's, it's always great to, to go to these different venues. Number one, because of, of the venues themselves, uh, again, it's not quite the same because of the pandemic, as far as crowds are concerned. Um, but again, the chance to, to visit with, with friends that you have, you know, that work at, at all of our conference schools. So, um, you know, we've all talked on the telephone, um, you know, we've worked together, uh, I thought, uh, and so far very well uh, on helping each other, trying to pull off what we're trying to do remotely in those instances, but, uh, you know, still kind of waiting up in the air for baseball. Uh, there's still some questions there. Uh, I don't see a big difference in calling baseball in the sec, uh, on the road, like I did calling football on the road. Um, yeah. but that's an argument for another day, but, uh, it is, it, it's been, uh, you know, at least from our little world, which again is a very small piece on this giant wheel. It's, uh, it's not my preference at all. So, so we're in the same boat. We're, we're really happy that the sec won, if you will, five games to four, uh, the sec big 12 challenge, but we're also really disappointed 
that our teams were two of the four that didn't get it done, especially in the manner. I mean, we left, uh, we both left a lot of meat on the bone in the, uh, the final four minutes of, of, of our contest. How do you, how do you bounce back? Cause I'm sitting here looking when we faced y'all last, you were sitting at 10 and two overall five and one in the league. Now you're, now you're sitting at six and three with an 11 and five record and hadn't been very long since we last saw each other. Yeah, just a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a team I think that, you know, needs a shot of energy. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know that it's going to come tonight for a number of reasons. Number one, we're taking on Alabama. Uh, we're taking them on in Tuscaloosa. Um, and then thirdly, you're without Darius days. And, you know, I've said since about the first five games of this year for LSU and for Will Wade, Darius days is kind of the weather vane for this team. Uh, you know, when he can give you 10, 12 points, eight to 10 rebounds, uh, LSU is in the win column. Uh, in fact, up until Saturday's loss to Texas Tech, uh, the games LSU had lost, it's when Darius Hayes did not hit a three-pointer. If he hit a three-pointer, LSU won. Uh, of course, he was injured uh, about midway through the second half. Uh, not as severe as it appeared, uh, but he is going to be out for uh, the foreseeable future. So not only is it going to impact this team tonight, because it's a team built around really four scores. It's a team that can get 80 points fairly easily but it's got to come from those four guys, at least up to this point. And on Saturday, um, you know, only two bench points for LSU. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just not going to do it because it starts tonight against a very good Alabama team. Uh, then you've got Tennessee coming up. You've got Auburn coming up, which is a different team than it was a month ago. Um, you got Mississippi state, who's a grinded out kind of team on the road in Starkville. So uh, it's a tough stretch for LSU and it's going to be a big challenge tonight. Um, and you know, it's one that, that I know talking to coach Will Wade is, is, is going to be a very important game. They've got to get out of this tailspin, um, where they've kind of backslid a little bit, not only defensively, but also offensively a team that was averaging well above, you know, 84 points a game over their last four ball games. Now they've been held under 80. Hey, hold on guys. I'm writing, um, next broadcast use term for key player. Weatherbane. Okay, I'm stealing that. I'm going to use Weatherbane. <laughs> Let me ask you a uh, broadcast question, though. Chris Blair, the voice of the LSU Fighting Tigers, joining us here on Inside the Press Box. Uh, John Brady, what's it like to work with him? 11 years as head coach, uh, left in 2008 and uh, retired from Arkansas State after a good run there as well up in Jonesboro. You guys seem to have some really good chemistry courtside to call LSU basketball. Well, I'm lucky. I'm very lucky. And I tell John all the time that I want to be him when I grow up. Um, he is, he lives the life of Riley. Now he put a lot of work in to get there. Um, uh, but working with him is an absolute joy. I mean, and I get from so many listeners, you know, about how John can break down the game. He can sit in a room with basketball minds at the pro level, at the college level, at the high school level, and they can talk technical, detailed basketball lingo. Then he has a way on the radio of, of telling you exactly what's happening, why it's happening, uh, what they have to do to try to counteract something or to um, take advantage of something. And, and he does it in a way that everybody can understand. And to me, that's his biggest gift and why he fits so well, you know, in a broadcaster's role is because he explains to you what's happening in the game, but doesn't get into all the deep, detailed basketball jargon that sometimes the casual fan or even some of the more ardent fans 
uh, may not understand. And, uh, you know, I think that's probably why he's been so beloved. I mean, here's a guy that took LSU to their last Final Four. Um, you know, his his tenure at LSU uh, came to an end. It, it, it was, you know, he'd be the first to tell you it wasn't the way he saw it, wasn't the way he wanted it to go. Um, and then once we brought him back, he got on the radio uh, after finishing up at Arkansas State. I mean, he's one of the most beloved characters around. And, you know, up until this year where the crowds were limited, you know, I almost had to get security, um, you know, just to keep people away from John in the middle of the game because everybody wants to come up, talk with him, take a picture with him, get an autograph, uh, which is a wonderful thing. So, uh, again, I'm just blessed because, number one, he and I are great friends. And, you know, to Chris's point earlier, that's the part that's been most uh, disappointing, not in, not getting to, to, to spend some time with Chris and the other broadcasters, but also to be able to go on the road and let John Brady take me to all these great haunts that he's uh, – accumulated over the year because even if they tell somebody there's a two-hour wait when john brady shows up a table magically falls from the ceiling and we get seated immediately (laughs) there's not a western (laughs) there's not a western sizzling in birmingham that john brady can't get into at uh at any time uh and i'll tell you that's you know i miss seeing you like i said but i've known john 25 years i did pa at samford when he was the head coach there and I miss busting his chops over frankly how he's changed because I, I joke with him all the time what a jerk he was when he was at Stanford <laughs> and he'll readily admit it I said John you had the four nicest guys in Birmingham as your best friends they were called the Brady Mafia I think or some version of that and he, he'll joke, he goes, hey, you know why they were my best friends? Because I wanted somebody to believe that there was some redeeming quality about me that I could have friends like. That. I said, that was the only thing you had going for you, for crying out loud. <laughs> but he really has. And, and I see this a lot with coaches. When, when they get out of the grind of the chase, Chris, how much they change. And not that John was a bad guy. I don't mean that. But, I mean, he – look. They're wound so tight in their chase. He was intense. They're, oh, my gosh, on his best day. But when they're chasing the goal, it is, it's a different world for them. But you really get a chance to know them, and they get to be themselves again, or maybe who they wanted to be and felt like they couldn't be before when they get to, this, to the point that, uh, that John is in this stage of his life. Oh, no, no doubt about it. I mean, that's, you know, your story matches with most other people that I've, you know, come across here that, that knew John at his time here as, as head coach at LSU. And, you know, that's, that's, again, I think what's the great thing about having him back on the radio is, is people have, again, remembered, number one, what he did as a coach, which, you know, when he took over, you talk about being put into the blender. Um, you know, he's plucked out of Sanford. He comes here. The, the program is, is in trouble. They're limited with what he can do scholarship-wise um, and just got to the grind. And then I think, you know, just every day, every day. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. Our running joke on the broadcast now is when Coach Will Wade loses it and starts yelling at officials. John just looks at me and goes, I can't believe a coach would do that. No reason to do that. <laughs> and, of course, all the officials, when we go uh, before the game, they all come up and they, they all reminisce about the time they threw John out of the arena. So, um, they all can laugh about it now, but, uh, again, yes, he is, uh, he's just like a big teddy bear now, which is great and a great guy with some great stories. And really he's got more than four friends now. Uh, he's got a bunch of friends. 
you know, I um, I remember the last trip he made to Coleman Coliseum as the head coach at LSU. I'm sitting on the routine with Mark Godfrey every game when he was the head coach is that I would meet him under the basket on the baseline about two hours before tip and or maybe it was 90 90 minutes before tip and we would we we tape pregame well John comes walking in while we're taking taping pregame and again this is his last trip there he walks in Chris and gooses Mark while we're doing the interview (laughs) and when we got through I said man that is one hell of a change from what it used to be with you guys, because if it, you weren't there at the time, Chris, and I, it was before I was doing the play-by-play, but they dang near had a brawl between Mark and, and John when Rod Grizzard played there, because Alabama up, upset him down in Baton Rouge, and Grizzard jumps on the table, the, the scores table, to celebrate with Bama fans, and John went nuts, and Mark went, and they, they, were, they were at each other's throat all the time. And now here he is goosing him, on the baseline, you know, while he's doing it, taping his pregame interview, it, it's amazing to see how people in relationships in that business change over time. I think you guys would enjoy it down the road to, to have John on. And I'm going to tell one quick story because I think it's hilarious. It tells you about who John was. He tells a story with one of our friends who's one of the local uh, television reporters and has been for a long time. And when John was coaching here at LSU, Nick Saban, of course, was the head coach for LSU football. And after a tough loss on the road, John got back to Baton Rouge, finally got into his bed. And sometime well after midnight, his phone rings and it's this local reporter. And he just had a few questions he wanted to follow up about the loss. And apparently John, after about a minute and a half of a complete tirade uh, with words that can't be said on the radio, he finally said, let me ask you something. You ever call Nick Saban's house after midnight? And that was the end of the conversation, and the, and the quick interview ended right then and there. The funny yeah. part is those two laugh about that story at least two or three times a year. And uh, the reporter always says, I'm never going to call you again. I won't, even, I won't even look at your number to call you for anything. And John says, you can call me anytime. That's uh, written all over, by the way. Brady was like that all the way to the end because, uh, you know, I covered him his uh, last three or four years when he was at Arkansas State, and he was just as intense at that level. And then uh, I, I was glad to see, uh, Chris, you and you and John Brady hook up as a broadcast team. Uh, so so now we could – maybe we got a couple of minutes left with you here, Chris, the, the high points of signing day. Uh, will there be a lot of signees or is the bulk of it done? Uh, for Ed Orgeron and LSU back in December, what are they looking for, perhaps position-wise? Well, they had a you know uh, by design they had a really good early signing period, and they come in today really with about five to fill. And you know, obviously, the, the, the there were tons of skill position players signed in the in the early signing period. Um, you know, coming into today, um, there's a couple of defensive ends, a couple of O linemen. One is a transfer originally from Brisbane, Australia. Um, that they're they're targeting, uh, and I'm not so sure. I wouldn't be surprised. Let me put it this way: I wouldn't be surprised if they don't have some more slots available. Not saying they won't fill those five today, but it wouldn't shock me uh, simply because of what Ed said. You know, towards the end of the regular season, and then going into the early signing period, which is, you know, they need to get bigger and deeper on both the offensive and defensive line. 
And, you know, there were a lot of slots already filled by skilled talent that, that signed in that early signing period. So, um, you know, today is it's, it's since the early signing period came into fruition, you know, this is kind of very anticlimactic when you get to the, the, the first Wednesday in, in February, as opposed to what it used to be. Uh, but with five to sign today, uh, I think you'll see, you know, positions mainly up front on both sides of the ball. And again, wouldn't shock me. Uh, if they don't take their chances with one or two of those slots, holding on to them to see what's uh, out there in either the grad transfer or, uh, transfer or even the traditional junior college transfer, again, to try to build some talent and depth on, on the defensive and offensive front. So I think that's kind of the, the, the theory, working theory, um, you know, as we, as we finish up, you know, national signing day. Just a second left, uh, Chris Blair. Uh, the uh, National Sports Media Association for the state of Louisiana named him Sportscaster of the Year. His colleagues voted on him. Congratulations on that. But, Chris, I need you to wrap uh, with us here just a moment with this thought, though, because from the time between you being named a finalist for that award in December and winning the award in January, uh, our condolences, you lost your dad, but he was aware. Uh, and if you told, I think you told me that he even said, Chris, the uh, last time you spoke to him was, Chris, you're going to win that thing, and you did. Uh, so our condolences to you on your loss. Yeah, I appreciate that, guys. I mean, he was a big part of, of why I do what I do today. You know, growing up in a in a broadcasting family, it's it's kind of the last thing on your mind when you grow up. You want to do something completely opposite because it's just part of your life, part of our family's life. And then as you get older, you find out that, you know, there's things that you didn't know you were paying attention to and things that you picked up. And then it was an easy thing to do when I was in college to get some extra money was to call some baseball games or football games. And uh, then suddenly you find out that, you know, what he loved and what he went into professionally suddenly kind of gets its claws into you. And the next thing you know, that's what you're doing. So, um, you know, 2020, like for everybody else, was was not a great year. Um, but I certainly was blessed to grow up with a great mom and dad. And, and no question about it, I would not be where I am today. Uh, without number one, his influence in the profession and, and all the things he was able to accomplish, but also just, you know, how to treat people right and, um, and, and do right. And, uh, I think if you do that, hopefully that's something I can pass on to, uh, my daughter and my son as they grow up. Chris Blair, the voice of the fighting tigers on the LSU sports network and our guest here inside the press box to find our daily radio show, just visit pressboxradio.com. Check the affiliates page there to find the station nearest you, the episodes page to hear the show on demand, or simply press the listen button to hear the press box anytime, 24-7. On social media, we're Press Box Radio 1. That's Press Box Radio and the number one. And we'd love to hear from you. So shoot us an email anytime at theguys at pressboxradio.com. Simply theguys at pressboxradio.com. Until next time, for my partners Chris Stewart and J.D. Byers, I'm Mike Grace, thanking you for joining us here inside the Press Box.